This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. This is Doug Stannard. I'm the author of Fearless Presentations and also the book Mastering Presentations. Also, the one who created the two-day Fearless Presentations class. Um, we, we've talked a lot in past podcasts about how to reduce your own public speaking fear. We're going to talk a little bit on this podcast, though, about how to help other people. In fact, we and we we kind of call this session, you know, tongue in cheek, you know, how to really scare the gooey out of a new pre, a new public speaker. So, if you really want to scare somebody, you can do some of the things that I'm going to suggest in this uh, in this podcast. Uh, in it, but we're going to show you really how to how to actually help build the confidence of those new speakers. So, as your confidence starts to grow, as you start to begin become a much better speaker. How do you pass that along and help other people that are going through what you went through, help them get over that nervousness and, and help them be more comfortable and confident? And in fact, if you stick around until the last, I would say probably two minutes or so of the podcast, I'm going to share with you a little secret about how I went from becoming, you know, a very, from, from basically being a very timid and shy person, a very timid and shy speaker to a motivational speaker in a matter of about 20 minutes. So it was a very quick kind of transformation, and you can have that same effect on on other people as well. So stick around for the end of the podcast. This podcast, by the way, is brought to you by the Two-Day Fearless Presentations class. We have basically hundreds of these classes that we do all over the United States, Canada, Europe. Um, The neat thing about these two-day classes is that they really help people in in two different ways. The the first way that they help people is they give great information and great practical information that people can use right away, have a success with it so that their confidence grows. But in addition to that, you also have a support team. So and it, it's not just kind of going through a class one time and and being, you know, quote unquote fixed. You know, basically it's it's a support team. There's you're getting support not only from the instructor, who's also a professional speaker and a professional coach, but also the other folks in the class who are going through what you're going through. So it's a fantastic way to help people reduce public speaking fear and become very professional and confident speakers. Um, we have a number of these classes coming up all over the United States and Canada. Um, the in fact, if you're listening to this around the time of the that we're recording it uh, in early 2018 we basically have classes going coming up in Detroit New York Cincinnati Atlanta Dallas Los Angeles you know so they're all spread out we do these classes about every three or four months so if you're in any in, in near any of those cities and you want to take the two-day public speaking class, make sure and register early because um, we, we basically limit the class to about the first eight people or so. So each one of these classes are, are really small. So if you miss out on this one, you have to wait another three or four months to, to go to the next one. So look forward to having you in one of these upcoming two-day public speaking classes. So the title of this session is How to Scare the Gooey Out of a Nervous Public Speaker. And, you know, basically, if you're if you are a nervous public speaker, then guess what? You're in a you're you're in 
a big group. You know, basically a majority of the population has some type of fear of public speaking, but ironically, a great deal of this nervousness or anxiety actually comes from well-meaning friends or coworkers who are just trying to help us. Um, so when you see a friend struggling, you know, one of the things that we naturally want to do is we, we want to help. So we might offer a little constructive criticism as a way to help that new presenter improve his or her public speaking skills. However, these helpful pieces of advice can actually, you know, backfire. They can have an extreme negative effect. So you want to be very careful. So this session shows how constructive criticism can actually cause public speaking fear. And we'll also cover a few ways to actually reduce that nervousness when we coach or mentor a nervous speaker ourselves. So the, so the first thing we want to kind of talk about is the public speaking fear itself. Number one, it's normal. You know, public speaking is is not unlike any other new skill when somebody's trying to learn it. When we try to speak in front of a group for the first time, every one of us is going to be nervous. It doesn't matter how you know how skilled you are in other areas. Anytime you try a new skill for the first time, you're likely going to be nervous. And, and it's just like the first time that you used a computer or the first time you used a smartphone or the, when you were a kid and the, the first time that you rode a bicycle or when you were you know, 15, 16 years old and the first time you drove a car. All of those are skills that when we try those things for the first time, there is a risk of failure. And, that risk of, and the more that that risk of failure has of endangering us, the more nervous that we're going to be. That's why it's a whole lot, people are a whole lot, a whole lot more nervous when they get behind the wheel of a car for the first time than even what they were when they were getting on a bicycle, you know, because the risk of death is larger, right? So uh, the thing about public speaking is it's one of those skill sets that when you practice it for the first time, you're actually in front of your peers, so it's one of those things where you actually have to be in front of other people practicing it. And that's that's where that that nervousness really, really comes from. So um, the, the, the key thing to kind of keep in mind is that we're all nervous when we start out. But what happens after we speak for the first time will typically determine how confident that speaker will become, whether that speaker is going to become a very confident presenter or become a very nervous speaker. So let's kind of start by just talking a little bit about some of the statistics about public speaking fear. It's called glossophobia. Is the That's the technical term for the fear of public speaking. Um, and I'll kind of let you know a little bit of the background about my experience with statistics and the thing about statistics. What was the old Mark Twain quote is that, you know, there's three types of lies, lies, damn lies and statistics. So one of the things that I've kind of found, especially being a professional speaker for a number of years now, is that what will tend to happen is speakers listen to other speakers. You know, a lot of times, especially motivational speakers, they will listen to other motivational speakers. And what will sometimes happen, somebody will have a a, a, a real statistic, a real study that they're quoting. And it sounds so good that other speakers will start to quote the speaker who's quoting something. And then that speaker will quote another speaker that's quoting something. And then over, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, a few decades, what tends to happen is the the original context of that statistic kind of gets lost. And that's one of the things that happened with me, I think, because when I first started um, as a as a presenter, as a, as a public speaker, the woman who trained me to be a public speaking coach actually told me that 95% of the population has some type of public speaking fear. Now, I never asked her where she got that statistic, and she just always said that in the very beginning of her public speaking classes, so I just kind of took it for the truth. Um, what's, inter- what's interesting is that I, I, I've looked for different statistics, and although I've found statistics that are kind of close to that, 
I found a wide range of statistics about that that are basically real statistical data, real surveys or studies or white papers, but the 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 statistics will range anywhere from about 5% or 7% of the population has public speaking fear all the way up to the 90s. Um, so what I did was I wanted to go back and kind of do a little bit of research. So so what I I wanted to find out what are today's psychologists? What are they saying? What are the the people who are doing these types of studies today? What are they kind of quoting? So um, the first one that I came across, the first study that I came across was a guy named uh, Peter Corey, who's a public speaking coach, a great public speaking coach, by the way. And he wrote a, an article called Seven Unbelievable Fear of Public Speaking Statistics. And in that article, he basically states that the average of people in the United States anyway that have public speaking fear or public speaking anxiety anyway is about 7% of the population. So 7% of the population has a social anxiety related to public speaking. Well, Corey sourced this through his statistics through the Social Anxiety Institute. So it was a very credible organization. And I got to say, I, I agree with, with Corey because... The number of people who have a fear large enough to be called a phobia is probably quite small. Um, actually, Corey went a different route, though. What he, what he kind of figured out was that that 7% that they're quoting that have a phobia, you know, a fear so large that it's a phobia, if you put that against the population of the United States, I think it comes out to be like 27 million Americans. So 27 million people in the United States of America have some type of fear presenting so great that a psychologist would call it a phobia, which is, you know, pretty interesting. Now, um, so I don't think I would go to that extreme. I think, I think that um, the, the um, statistical evidence is probably a little higher. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. The, um, there was another um, survey that was done by Statistic Brain, and they did an online survey. So this one isn't as... Um, Credible, probably, as the one that Corey was quoting from. But just in the survey, this is just an online sur- online survey where seventy four percent of the respondents admitting admitted to having some type of speech anxiety. And the best best explanation I found for these wide ranges in in numbers, though, was another speaker, um, Nick Morgan. He wrote an article in Forbes, and the article is entitled entitled "Why We Fear Public Speaking and How to Overcome It." And Morgan basically stated in the article that in his experience that about 10% of the population really loves speaking in front of a group. They're really, really good at it. And they thrive on it. You know, they're so good that they thrive on it. And about 10% are totally terrified of public speaking. And the remaining 80% of us kind of fall somewhere in the middle. And I think I, I tend to agree more with, with Morgan. So we have that, that small percentage of people who have a phobia. We also have that small percentage of people who are just gifted speakers. And the rest of us kind of fall in that 80% in the middle. And you can kind of think of it as, you know, if you were, if you were kind of look at a, at a chart or a graph, it would start with on the on the far kind of left hand side would be the amount of nervousness that would be really really high and as that nervousness kind of kind of decreased as you went over to the right, there the amount of success that a person would have will actually increase. So they're and they're counter cyclical, meaning that the more nervous that we become, the more more nervous that we are, the less successful we're going to be career wise and vice versa. The more confident that we become, the more successful we become as well. Even in Corey's um, article where he was talking about the 
the, it, was, it was only a small percentage, about 7% of the population. He was saying that, that there are about 10% of the population who will actually have career damage because of the lack of confidence speaking in front of a group. So, And if you think about that, I mean, they were talking about millions and millions of people who will have um, their success will be less as a result of that nervousness that, that, they, that they have. So, so where does this fear come from? I think that's probably the, the biggest question that a lot of people have is anytime we try something new, we're going to have, by the way, anytime we try something new and we have what we consider to be a success, when we try that, we'll actually gain confidence in that skill set. Anytime we try something new and we feel like we failed, we diminish that that confidence. So think about the process of learning to speak in front of a group like the process that we use when we learn to ride a bicycle. I kind of mentioned that earlier. When a kid hops on a bicycle and then he rides a few yards and then he falls over, the mom and dad usually don't kind of pop up and say something like, look how far, basically what they'll do is they'll say, look how far you rode. Wow, you're awesome. Let's see if you can go a little bit farther next time, right? They're not going to go over the kid and say something like, you did good, however... Toward the end there, you really tapered off. So you should probably keep pedaling a little longer and make sure you keep a firm grip on the handlebars. And oh yeah, by the way, you looked a little shaky, so keep your posture upright so that you can have a have better control over the bike, right? That would be ridiculous. I mean, no parent would actually do that to a, to a kid. However, that's the way most of our friends and coworkers coach us as speakers. We tell the speaker something good, but then we followed up with either a but or a however, and what whatever occurs after that but or after that however is what the speaker, the person who's getting this criticism, will kind of think about and say, well, that, that's what you really think about me, right? So what basically what we're saying when we say that but or however is what I just told you was just to make you feel better, but here is how you really did. So um, according to an article titled Anxiety, Criticism, and Conquering Self-Doubt, written by Tanya Peterson, she, she said something really interesting about this, this um, situation. She said that criticism isn't the source of our discomfort. You know, We think that it's the criticism itself that is making us uncomfortable. But what she says, though, is that it's the anxiety and the self-doubt that arises because of that criticism and how we interpret that criticism that actually causes the the nervousness. Um, but so you know, I keep in mind that a lot of times we want to kind of give people that that uh, constructive criticism, but early on in a person's speaking career or, or their pr- speaking practice, they really don't want that. Um, it's funny. I, I came across a, a quote by Prince. He said, uh, what he said at one point in his career, he said, "I like constructive criticism from smart people." <laughs> so, and I think we. I think all of us probably do, but early on in in our careers or early on in the in our speaking experience, especially that criticism can actually be a little a little challenging. However, after a while, you know, somebody who's a seasoned presenter will be able to accept that type of coaching in a more positive way. He or she, you know, they may not like the criticism, but the seasoned speaker will likely have enough successes under his or her belt to use the criticism as a as a corrective device. A new a new speaker though will most likely reduce his or her confidence and focus primarily on the problem instead of presenting well. Right. So if we give the same constructive criticism to a new speaker versus a seasoned speaker, then that person's confidence is is likely to actually be reduced. And the reason why that's going to happen is 
is that anytime we give somebody constructive criticism, they will get their, their mind off of the ultimate purpose of that presentation, and they'll start focusing on the things that they think they need to fix. Um, this actually happened to me. One of the things that this, and this happens very, very often, and I'll, I'll tell you about my experience. When I was in college, I took a business communications class where my entire grade was an average of, of three scores that are received on three separate presentations. So they were about, you know, three, four weeks apart. So I did pretty well on my first presentation. I got a 94, so I got an A on my, on my first presentation. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm pretty good at this, right? What was interesting though was that after I spoke, the, the teaching assistant, the, the graduate, um, the, the, uh, the person who was getting her master's degree, probably something like that, uh, she gave me some constructive criticism. She gave me a compliment first. She told me how, that I did something well, but then she gave me some constructive criticism and she said that I said, um, seven times throughout the speech and that I should probably work on that in my next presentation. So the next presentation, I took her at her word. I, I spent more of my practice time really focusing on not saying um. Interestingly, though, I, I spent less time on the actual presentation. So I ended up getting an 84 on the second presentation, and and I actually said um 14 times. And in the third presentation, I got a 74. So... I actually felt worse after the third presentation because um, in my experience, you know, basically what I was seeing was that every time I get up to give a presentation, I get worse. I went from a 94 to an 84 to a 74. Holy crap. Right. Um, it, there's a, there was a quote that I found on online from uh, H Norman, Wright, And the quote is pretty interesting. It says in constructive is, is constructive criticism really constructive? Well, not really. You can't make a child better by pointing out what you think is wrong with him or her. Criticism either crushes spirit or elicits defensiveness. Constructive criticism is an interesting combination of words. Construct means to build, and criticism means to tear down. It creates defiance and anger as well. So, And, and that's really the way you want to kind of see constructive criticism. I mean, there, there are situations in which constructive criticism can be helpful, but when somebody's confidence hasn't gotten to that level yet that they can take that constructive criticism criticism in a positive way, then it can actually hurt their their confidence. They can it actually it can actually stunt their growth. Um, this is actually a very common challenge, by the way. After I finished that that third presentation in college, my confidence was pretty low. You know, from my experience, every time I gave a presentation, I got worse. So consequently, three months later. I gave the presentation that I told you guys about in podcast number one. So if you haven't listened to that, it, I, I spend the first, you know, like 10 or 15 minutes or so telling about my first experience in, in front of a, a professional group and just bomb that presentation. And I think to this day that probably one of the reasons why I did so poorly in that presentation was because I had conditioned myself that I was going to fail. And it happened in that class that I took. So that's why... You'll see articles online sometimes that will say things like, um, you know, pub, uh, why public speaking classes don't work. Well, yeah, a lot of public speaking classes don't work. And the reason why they don't work is because folks are using very poor techniques. Uh, the, the coaches are using very poor techniques to help somebody improve their confidence. In fact, a lot of the things that some of these coaches are doing will actually hurt their confidence. 
Um, going back to the article by by Peterson, the anxiety criticism and construct and conquering self doubt, she said that there are four things that criticism can actually do that actually that can cause nervousness, and there it's basically four different types of thinking. And by the way, if you want to read up on on some of this stuff, there's links to all of these in the in the podcast notes that I'll, I'll kind of give you at the end of the I'll give you the link at the end of the the podcast here. So the first one that she talked about was what she called all or nothing thinking. And, you know, sometimes that's called black or white thinking. This is a thinking pattern that contributes to perfectionism and thus anxiety and self-doubt. So with this, if the performance isn't perfect, then it's worthless. It's basically two extremes. It was either perfect or it's worthless. And so a lot of times folks will kind of get through a presentation. They'll go, oh, man, I screwed up such and such. And so as a result of that one minor hiccup, we failed as a as a speaker, and that's a that's a pretty challenging way to think. Um, the second type of of um, kind of negative thought that that can occur from from um, this nervousness is what she called overgeneralization. So people with a social anxiety or a, a fear of criticism, they often take one critical comment and then equate it with complete and total failure. So self doubt comes from not separating the criticism from the positive feedback. That's why. The constructive criticism a lot of times doesn't work, especially for a, a new speaker or somebody who's a nervous speaker anyway. The third type of, of um, way of thinking that she talked about was jumping to conclusions or, or mind reading. Social anxiety makes us consciously and or maybe even subconsciously watch people for nonverbal communications or, or critical opinions. So we... You know, we we basically were mind reading the people in the audience, assuming that someone is inwardly critical of us. Um, this happens a lot uh, in 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 fact, this is probably one of the most most common things that you'll see as a speaker. And one of the things that we warn people about, and really like the first I would say hour or so of the fearless presentations class, is we'll, we'll kind of cover this where we think that we think that the audience is against us. And so we'll look around. Let's say there's 20 people in, in our audience that, that we're speaking in front of, and 19 of them are giving us very positive feedback. You know, they're nodding when we say things that they agree with and that kind of thing. And there's one person that's kind of sitting back with his arms folded, and um, it looks like he's not really into what we're talking about. And that can actually occur in a lot of meetings because the person who's in that meeting doesn't really want to be there, right? I mean, there, there are 150 gazillion other things that this person needs to be doing. And so this is, this meeting is just a distraction or, or something that's not very helpful to that particular person. And so we see that, that negative feedback that's coming back from that person. And we jump to the conclusion that I must have done poorly when in reality we didn't do anything. It had nothing to do with us. And so that that happens a lot, by the way. So you want to be very, very careful about that. Um, and the last one that she talked about was discounting the positive. This is what um, a, a, if you've ever been through a a, um, a a comedy improv class, they're fun, by the way. And that, that's a great way to kind of help reduce public speaking fear is to uh, go through a comedy improv class. A lot of times you can find these at, at you know, at local comedy clubs and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's what they call yes-butting. It's, it's like, yes, that's true, but 
and then there'll be something negative. So, um, so someone might be giving us some positive feedback, but we dismiss it with self-doubt, believing that eh, we're not really worried of that, of that praise. Or we ignore all the positive comment and instead just dwell on that one criticism that we received. And so each one of those four areas, the all or nothing thinking, the overgeneralization, the jumping to conclusion, the discounting the positive, those are, those are all ways of thinking that can actually take a success that we've had and negate it and make it appear as though we've had a failure. And when that happens, that's when the nervousness will kind of kick in. It will be much more difficult to get up in front of a group if we're if we're thinking in any one of those four ways. So if you think about it now, so let's get back to the constructive criticism that I was talking about before. Negative comments are often perceived by a nervous speaker in a different way than what we intended them. So like, for instance, we might give a nervous speaker some constructive criticism like, Slow down, right? Oh, you know, one of the things I would suggest that, you, suggest that you do is slow down. What that negative speaker is hearing is in his or her mind is, you talk too fast, you dummy. In fact, you're talking so fast that people can't understand you. Uh, or if we say something like, hey, you might try speaking up, right? Then what they're hearing is, you timid little person. We can't even hear you. You speak so softly, right? Um, if we say something like, you may want to stand up straighter, all they see is that, we can all see that you're not confident enough to present well or take your hands off the lectern. You, uh, we, what they're perceiving in their mind is that, that we're saying something like, um, we want to be able to see your handshake. <laughs> so, so basically, the, all of those things are, are we, when we're giving that constructive criticism or that constructive feedback, we think that we're helping the person. But in reality, because that person is nervous, he or she is actually interpreting what we're saying as something totally different. And by the way, there's dozens more of those those types of things. So just remember that when someone is trying something new, you never want to criticize them, especially not too early. Look for the positive. Identify their strengths and then help them build on these strengths. Save the critiques for a time when the, the speaker has had a few successes under his or her belt. An analogy I like to use here is that it's if you think about a person's confidence like a bank account, Every time that that person has a success in the new skill, then he or she is making a deposit into that bank account. And then every time the person has a negative experience, some of that balance is withdrawn. So the challenging thing with these deposits is that it takes a bunch of those individual um, deposits to make up for one single withdrawal. So, so it's, it's in, that's I mean, that's really why so many speakers, you know, look for help from an expert. You know, a good coach can minimize those chances of failure. So you have more of those positive experiences versus the negative ones. So if the person can have a series of these successes in a row, then an occasional hiccup doesn't really destroy the confidence. So so what's the best way to coach a new speaker? So we've talked about a lot of the negatives, the 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 don'ts. So what's the best way to to coach a new speaker? Well, so you just you just want to remember that the best type of coaching that you can give a new speaker is to tell them something true about what they've done, something positive and something true. So you might tell them that they look natural, they look confident, or if that's a stretch, then tell them how much courage that they had. You know, that's something that you can tell anybody. Um, tell them, you know, let them get more comfortable speaking a few times and have a few successes in front of them. And then after a few successes, a lot of the menial kind of nervous tics that they were that they were experiencing, a lot of the symptoms of nervousness will start to diminish. And when that happens, there'll be more things to kind of compliment them on. Um, when the trust is higher between you and the speaker, now that you know that speaker knows that that. Um, 
that you know that he or she is confident, then you can begin to offer a few constructive comments and do it a little at a time. Don't bombard them. Otherwise, it'll take away that confidence that you've just spent all that time to build. So so wait for the balance in that bank account to be high before you start to make some of those withdrawals. Um, I, I tell you about my own experience. I kind of mentioned at the early of the early part of the podcast that I would kind of tell you one of the secrets, one of, the, one of those things that that kind of moved me from being a timid speaker into a professional speaker, basically in, in a matter of minutes. It was it was one of those kind of life changing experiences that, that was that hopefully you can kind of learn from. And I would I had been. I'd been working for a training company for about a year or so, and I and I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do, but I hadn't had a whole lot of experience teaching yet. I'd, I'd been studying a lot, but I haven't actually I hadn't actually been in front of many groups at that point. And my boss asked me since I'd been doing a lot of studying and be, and because I was you know kind of growing in in uh, in designing and and starting to create programs and that kind of thing, my my. My uh, my boss asked me and one of my coworkers to actually help him put together a presentation for the company's annual convention. Now, so our office was in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and the convention that year was actually in Dallas. So we were hosting this year, and so we we had a lot of the preparation uh, ahead ahead of time. So um, three of us met in the in the meeting room, and and it was like the day before the presentation, by the way. I mean, it wasn't like this was something where we had been planning for months or weeks, but the day before the presentation, we were brainstorming. The three of us were brainstorming and, and we were helping my boss kind of practice his presentation. And what was, what, what happened though, oddly, you know, my, my, my boss had my coworker and I practice some of the parts of the presentation with him. And it, I, I, you know, I kind of sensed that something was was going on there, but I hadn't really put my finger as to what was happening until after he worked with us for a couple hours. He kind of looked at us and he said, "Yeah, I think you're ready." And my my coworker and I kind of looked at each other, going, and then we looked at him and said, well, "Ready for what?" He said, "Well, you're ready to give the presentation, obviously." Now we were confused because you know. It, it, we knew at that point that that's what he had been planning all along. It wasn't that we were helping him put together the presentation. He was helping us put together our presentation, but he was doing it in a subtle way to make it to where it was easier for us to do it. But never let on, you know, what it was that he was actually preparing us, not us preparing him. Um, and the the great thing about that preparation was that. We didn't have weeks to think about what we were going to say or how we'd say it. We just kind of developed a good presentation. So it was a great technique that he used with us. And the next morning, you know, we're, we're standing at the front of the room as hundreds and hundreds of people start to walk in to, to hear the two of us speak. Now, now, keep in mind that the audience that was in the room was comprised entirely of professional public speaking coaches. These were all people that did what we did. And the two of us that... The two of us neophytes at the front of the room were the absolute least experienced people in the room to be speaking on this topic. So as the time got closer and closer to the time we'd actually start, I mean, my nervousness kept getting higher and higher. I mean, I really, as it, as it got close to the time that, I, that we were going to start, I just wanted to run from the room. I was so nervous. But when I started speaking, you know, I, I mean, I, I knew I didn't want to be embarrassed. And, and so I, and I, as I started speaking, those first few, those first few sentences came out of my mouth. The preparation took over. All of that time that my boss had spent with me the, the previous day kind of kicked in. I got right into some interesting information. I was, you know, I was kind of using my natural humor and my natural energy kind of kicked in. And about two minutes into my presentation, I looked at one of the the 
guys that was in the front row, one of the audience members, he was sitting in the front row. And he was making that that okay signal with your fingers, you know, where you make kind of a circle with your with your index finger and your thumb and the three fingers are, are kind of um kind of waving at you, you know. <laughs> he made that okay and uh, and he mouthed, you know, silently with his lips. He said uh he said you're doing fantastic. Great job, you know. And so uh and I it it, it was interesting because I I it kind of threw me off for a second, but then I kind of smiled and I just kind of kept going. And a couple minutes later, somebody else, a different person in the front row, kind of looked at me and and uh, and said, "Fantastic, keep going." You know, he whispered it a little bit louder so I could actually hear him. Before long, the entire front row was getting in on the action. There, I was hearing, "Great, good job, you're awesome," and and of course they're saying it in such a way that. I can hear it, but not a lot of other people in the room can can actually hear this. And and, I, and I'm starting to giggle, and and now my energy's kicking in, my humor's kind of kicking in. It's becoming a whole. And I had a blast, by the way. I had so much fun. And at that point, I was hooked. It, at that point, I had moved from be, from being a shy and nervous speaker to a professional motor motivational speaker, and it happened. That transformation happened in a in just a matter of minutes. So, what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is that. If you're a nervous public speaker, then what you really need to do is hire 10 professional speaking coaches to sit in the front row of your next big speech. You know, hey, it worked for me. You know, maybe it'll work for you as well. You know, since most of us can't do that, I was kind of in a unique situation. Since most of us can't do that, though, a class with a single professional coach and, you know, maybe nine other speakers who will give you encouragement, that'll do. In fact, that's why a lot of people, you know, go through our, our fearless presentations classes or they'll go to a Toastmasters group or they'll, they'll attend some other type of class or coaching session where they're, where they're getting that positive feedback. Because the more of those successes that you can string together in a short period of time, the more successful you're going to be and the more your confidence is just going to shoot through the roof. So if you want to attend one of the two-day classes, you know, I would encourage you to do so. You can always go to fearlesspresentations.com anytime. And uh, in the sidebar on on every page on the fearlesspresentations.com website, you'll see a list of upcoming classes. If you don't see one in the city that you live closest to, then you can always just go to the seminar schedule and kind of look for for one that's coming out. And it, it might be a few months down the road, but chances are we're going to be somewhere close to you. And if you and if you're in a city where you don't see that we're having a class, you can always just email us, email info at leadersinstitute.com or info at fearlesspresentations.com, either one. You can just kind of email us. And when you do, just kind of tell us what city that you want us to come to. When we get enough of those requests, we'll, we'll actually put um, a new cities on our schedule. We do that all the time, by the way. The neat thing about this class, though, is that we don't need a lot of people. You know, five, six, seven, eight, nine people, ten people at the most will actually fill up a class. So they're they're small, they're intimate. They're, there's enough people in the class so you get practice, but there's not so many people that you kind of get overwhelmed. And you, we want to make sure that every single person that goes through the class gets that that personal coaching from the instructor. And so a lot of companies just hire us to come out and do custom classes for them at their at their office. That ha- we'll, we, in fact, we do about I would say probably four times as many custom classes for companies as what we do our our public classes that individuals can kind of come to. So and it's a whole lot more cost effective that way. So if you're interested in any of those, make sure and and email us and we'll be happy to send you over details about how you can get involved in one of these programs. And you can access the notes on this podcast by going to fearlesspresentations.com slash 
29, fearlesspresentations.com slash 29. So thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Um, hey, by the way, if you haven't already done so, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. It's a great way to kind of keep getting this information. It, anytime we, we record a new one, you'll get an update right away to let you know that, that something new has been posted. So we look forward to seeing you on the next Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.